Zone. This is episode 12. I am one of your co-hosts, Thomas, and with me always is... Daniel, the other host. Yeah, and this episode we are doing Final Destination 2. We are working our way through the Final Destination franchise, and yeah, we got this sequel. It is from, I don't know what year it's from, I think it's 2003. Um, yeah, and I'm going to have, you want to read the, the plot synopsis for us this time? Sure, yeah. Um, So when Kimberly has a violent premonition of a highway pileup, she blocks the freeway, keeping a few others meant to die safe. Or are they? The survivors mysteriously start dying, and it's up to Kimberly to stop it before she's next. Yes, that is a, I guess that is a good little summary of what happens, (laughs) of what we get. What did you think about this movie in general? Um, I think it's... I think it's a little bit of a step down from the previous one. I've seen some people who like this more. Um, I feel like the deaths didn't quite hit the same way. This one is a different director. Yeah. Uh, This director, you may know him as the director of Snakes on a Plane or as the stuntman from Hotel for Dogs. Ah, Um, That's a a good resume. Actually, let let me look up his name. I forget his name is. That's a that's a good resume. Snakes on a Plane is definitely campy as hell, but yeah, this is a strange sequel. I wasn't too crazy about it because the setup is nearly identical, and so yeah, we get Kimberly kind of on this little like we get Kimberly on this road trip, and it just all goes to hell on this like fucking insane pile up on on the highway. And so the seat this opening scene is pretty great, and yeah, I think yeah. like the setup of that is pretty good because like it's a it's a pretty bad crash and it's like elaborate as hell and yeah i like that but then everything after just didn't seem that good and yeah the character <laughs> the characters were kind of like bland to me and yeah just the first one seemed more like a a cousin of a scream movie kind of sort of like in that same in the same vein of like it's aware of itself a little bit it's kind of has these tropey high school characters but this one i don't know it, it had the characters were like caricatures, if that makes sense. But like, yeah, they just weren't very good. Like, like the stoner guy, and like, yeah, like the girl who just like is smoking is like, yeah, just like they didn't have much personality to them. It, so, it feels I, like a game of Clue or something like that, where everyone is embodying a specific, is a very specific characterization. Um, yeah, yeah. The the first movie. Uh, so okay, so yeah, this movie is directed by David R. Ellis. He has 80 stunt uh, credits on IMDb. He only has eight directing credits. Okay. So I think that helps explain why this opening car wreck scene is as good as it is. Yeah, I think, um, well, there are some, some deaths in this that I do think are pretty good, but, like, yeah, I think that's the only part of this movie that, like, stood out to me. Where it was just like, okay, like, when the characters find... There's a lot of fake-outs, too, and so, yeah, I, I, I hated that part about this, too. And so, <laughs> like, when it actually does happen, I was like, okay, there's some some pretty good stunts in this movie, so I will give it that. Like, yeah, especially the, the one of the dentist, I think, was... It's very frustrating, but I think the effect is pretty outstanding. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the car crash a little bit, because there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Okay, uh, yeah, definitely. So the movie does the same, the movie does the same thing that the previous movie did with the air airplane crash, uh, where bef- just prior to that, it's introducing all of these danger elements. Um, so you get, uh, Kim is our lead. She sees a school bus full of football players. I think they're from Lincoln 
high school, which is the same high school that uh, from the first Final Destination. Yeah, yeah. And they're all chanting, pile up, pile yeah, up, yeah. Pile up. <laughs> And like in his school bus, um, we get news on the radio saying that it's the anniversary of the plane crash. She is kind of bothered by that. She switches radio stations and starts playing Highway to Hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get, uh, oh, she gets a call from her dad saying, hey, the car is leaking transmission fluid. You're going to have to like pull over and change that as soon as you can. Um, yeah, and then so, like the girl in the passenger seat is just like, oh, like no, don't worry about that. Let's just like, just just keep going. It's all good. And so yeah, you get that kind of like, yeah, that very totally downplaying it. <laughs> that menacing, yeah, that menacing feeling of okay, like, everyone's not taking anything seriously. No, everyone's ignoring. Well, not ignoring, but there's a lot of omens that are happening. And like okay, like they're no one's kind of like stopping. They're just gonna like go towards this inevitability. <laughs> Yeah, there's um, one of the dudes in the back, her, like, stoner friend, like, flicks a, I think he flicks a joint out the window, and it lights the leaves on a woman's windshield on fire. Yeah, She yeah. quickly just swipes them away. Um, she's on a cell phone, and she's smoking a cigarette while she's driving. Yeah, there's the, uh, the kid with the toy cars. Like, he has, like, yeah, a Yeah, kid truck. is playing with these toy cars. He's making them crash against each other. And I was like, okay. There's... I was like, all right, Final Destination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, like, really leaning into it. Uh, there's a dude sn snorting coke while he's driving. Uh, there's a truck driver who is drinking a beer. It's just like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. Um, yeah, it's like a DUI but, commercial. It's just like, it's, yeah. it's like, don't be in this, in this situation. Yeah, it is the all. worst case scenario. Um, and yet nothing is really happening yet until, uh, oh yeah, a police officer spills coffee on himself. And that isn't even really the problem. Uh, the problem is just that there's a logging truck that has a chain break and logs fall out all over the uh, all over the the road. But um, what is really interesting about this scene is what struck me is the sound design because it all feels very quiet all throughout. All, when you're seeing all of these different things, it all feels very quiet. Yeah. Um, the only music you're getting is like diegetic music. There's not a ton of dialogue. There's like a little bit of dialogue here or there, but mostly you're just, it almost feels like you're seeing through the eyes of Kim. She's just observing all of these things that have sort of like an eeriness to them, yeah. even though they're very obvious and abrasive uh, caution signs. Yeah, and then when it finally does go down, we get a, a spectacular, that's the, the word I want to use for it, a spectacular car crash that like, I was, I was, we, Rewatching on YouTube, and there was like a a death count, which is really bad that I'm laughing at this. But they're, yeah, they're like, oh, I watched I watched that just before this too. Yeah, yeah, where it like the soon as the truck hits, it's just like thirty immediately. But that's that's upon the second time. But I think it's seven when it's the the first time. Uh, the the log breaks and bounces through the the police car, and yeah, it hits the cop, and then yeah, that effect is, is yeah, it's pretty. That gnarly. is a fantastic effect yeah yeah you see just, the log like come out the back of the car and it's just like fucking blood and guts like spraying everywhere yeah it's pretty fucking gnarly yeah that's crazy and then yeah the semi there's like another semi that hits uh their red truck like later on where like it's just like burning on the front of it i'm like okay yeah like they like dumped a lot of budget into the first huge <laughs> sequence of this movie and it's just like it's pretty satisfying and so i, I like yeah i think because for, it's mostly practical it feels yeah. like fury road or some shit like that yeah definitely and i yeah so we get this first 
this first massive crash and it happens and a lot of characters are kind of dying in really bad ways and yeah we get like kind of close-ups on these characters and uh only a few of them uh no I, yeah only a few of them die no, no, not a few. All these characters die. I need to reset. <laughs> yeah, because because like, it happens. I don't twice. think we see. I don't think we see anyone survive initially. Yeah, let me um, let me rewind that. So yeah, we see this crash, and yeah, we see it happen twice. And so the first time is like it's emphasizing a lot of these characters that again kind of appear later on in the movie, who kind of like team up and they're trying to figure everything out. But in the first massive crash, we see them all die in a really horrific way. And then it cuts yeah. back to Kim and then she's like freaking out inside the car. She's like, okay, I don't want to drive anymore. She doesn't want to like go forward yeah. because she it's saw this. A, it's a premonition. Yeah. 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 So just like the first movie starts off with this premonition. She's frozen. She doesn't want, uh, she, yeah, she doesn't want to drive anymore. And then, yeah, there's like cars behind her honking. And then the cop comes up and it's like, okay, like, okay, gotta go. Time to go now. And then eventually she, uh, uh, she doesn't go forward at all, right? Yeah. And then the, yeah, so, she just she she blocks traffic intentionally. Yeah. Yeah, she blocks the traffic, and then I'm pretty sure the semi shows up and hits them because they like end up outside of the car, correct? Yeah, I think because uh, there is a police officer on the road. He's spilled coffee on himself during the premonition. So once she blocks traffic, the cop comes out, and I think he asks her to exit the vehicle because he's wondering what the fuck is going on. And while they're having this conversation on the side of the road, the semi-truck comes and it kills all her friends who yeah. are still in the car. Um, yeah, but this, the premonition reveal, like that none of this was happening, that it was a premonition, which is the same thing that happens in the first one, it still got me. This is the third time I've seen a Final Destination movie, <laughs> and they all do this. They all have like this elaborate death scene that ends up just being uh, in in the main character's head, but it still got me. I I, I, I was still thrown off. That's great. Once it rewinds and it shows that it's you know it's a premonition. Yeah, even I was like trying to retell it, and I was getting caught up. I was like, wait, what happens exactly in the order? And like, it does kind of. It's very effective. I th- yeah, I think it's it's really effective. But yeah, everything that follows is very disappointing after that. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, and it also just it feels like a pretty poor justification for uniting all these people because it's like the first movie they're a french class they're all taking this flight together they're on the plane uh one of them freaks out they all get off the plane together and that is how they avoid dying in the plane wreck here the way they avoid dying in this traffic accident is just they got stuck in traffic yeah and it's like i don't i'm sure i've been stuck in traffic and have avoided who knows what uh, it didn't make me feel any sort of unity with the people around me. I, th- I find it odd that after this, the police uh, take everyone to uh, the police station to question everyone for some reason. Yeah. Um, just because they were stuck in traffic. Like, that seems like a, a much worse inconvenience. Yeah. And then they kind of argue and kind of all go their separate ways because there's no one really kind of acknowledging the possibility of it being supernatural in any way. Yeah, and how does it get brought up that there's even a possibility of it being supernatural? I'm trying to remember exactly because, yeah, I was just focusing Kim, focusing on the, the, the deaths themselves. Yeah, does Kim just say, like, I had this premonition? and No, I think it's, it's the cop. He's like, after a while, he's like, wait, hold on a second. Like, I think you might be onto it. And then they start doing the same thing where 
she's getting like some small hints of it. But yeah, there's more red herrings and then somehow clear yeah, I forget when clear shows up again, but they hit up clear because she Oh uh, yeah. She's like in the mental institution and, and like that like, yeah, like, she went through this and so they go to her for advice and then she tags along with them. Yeah, because uh so I think the next death after the car wreck is when we get the guy who won the lotto. Um there's a man who won the lotto, he run like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which I think in 2003 money is like $350,000. So it's not hitting it big. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's not going to like, it might not change his whole life. uh, But yeah, pretty good, pretty good paycheck. Um, And the way he dies is just, uh, this is one of those things where it feels like they're setting up a lot of different elements. Like the house is on fire at one point. Uh, He must take the fire escape. Uh, he threw out some old spaghetti earlier in the scene, and so by the time he gets down the fire escape, he slips on the spaghetti, and the ladder falls and impales his face. Yeah, I actually I made a note about that because I was like, he's making one of the worst on-screen meals I've ever seen. It's just like some canned <laughs> spaghetti and like all these other sauces and stuff thrown into this he was pan. Like, was he throwing off. like fish sticks into? A yeah, he like puts fish stick, and the pan is on like full heat, so he he's in there like smoking a cigarette and like. Yeah, then there's, like, the toaster, and and his hand gets stuck in the toaster for a bit, and he's, like, trying to get the pan. Yeah, so it's just Well, he puts his hand in the the garbage disposal. Oh, sorry, yes, the garbage disposal. Yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. the toaster would be even weirder. Um, But, yeah, it's also, like, who puts fish sticks in a frying pan? Like, aren't you just put that shit in the oven? Yeah, this Um, guy, it looks like his apartment's kind of of grimy, so they're like, okay, it's a single dude cooking, and it's just an awful meal so i was like yeah. okay maybe that's that makes sense but yeah it just it just seems really ridiculous when it all starts to go wrong because yeah his hand is inside the garbage sink and, and yeah this pan is just like burning and then it, he throws it out of the window and eventually he falls down on that when he's getting out and yeah then the the ladder falls down and impales him in the face which so the way i watched this i watched it on amc and I had a feeling something weird was going on, so I watched the death scenes, I rewatched the death scenes on YouTube, and yeah, they totally cut out him <laughs> getting impaled by the ladder. They, like, just show, it's almost like a point of view shot from the ladder, like, going towards his eye. I don't know why we need to see what the ladder's seeing, but uh, we get a POV shot from the ladder going towards his eye, and then it cuts away to a commercial break. Um, Honestly, yeah. I, I kind of like that a little bit better than the silly shot that we do get because it's just like a a bad CGI where it's just going directly into his face and it's just like okay this is just like it, it was just a little little too much did you <laughs> did you see how they did that though cuz like i think the way they did it was they shot the actor laying on his on his back so they got like a profile view of him they get a dummy uh that's laying in the same position and they had the actor sort of react to, you know, a ladder coming down. And then they just cut out uh, the eye of the dummy and sort of, like, superimpose that over the actor's eye. Okay. So, okay. so it's, like, a nice blend of, like, practical and CG. I don't know. I thought it looked pretty good. Uh, yeah. Maybe the CG blood was bad or something. Maybe they, like, uh, it, added, it just like, felt a little. Effects. It just felt a little too specific. And when you're describing the cutaway version, I like that because it, you know, like I said, I think the imagination is a lot more powerful than when it, we do see things that happen. And so, yeah, like there's the death of the dentist is the one that, like, every time I think about it, it's just incredibly ridiculous. And I think the dentist. That, I really did not like the dentist scene. 
Yeah, like uh, I like as a person who personally hates the dentist and who went to the dentist recently, it was really cringy for me. I was like, I can't even watch this. This kid go through this because all these things are going wrong, and it's just so over the top. And yeah, the drill is going on. There's pigeons hitting the window, and yeah. But I think the the shot of him actually getting off this is like, I was like, okay, that's kind of have a whole dummy kind of folding, and I was like, damn, that's, that's yeah, cool. which was also missing in the TV edit. Um, that's so funny TV I... at, we, yeah we get like a shot of it, it might even be like another pov so- shot of something falling from the sky but yeah it's um we get like a top-down view of the character looking up and then we just hear the crash and we see the reactions of all the other actors which is all you need like i didn't i didn't realize there was anything else there it didn't it didn't really feel fishy yeah. um but yeah i i I think it's a pretty good effect. Like it is a it is a dummy getting crushed by a plane of glass, yeah. but it's it's fun. Yeah, it's 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 pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm kind of bouncing between th- these first two uh, sequences. But yeah, after the biker gets killed, I think that's when they team up with Clear and they decide to go uh, talk to Tony Todd. Is is that correct? Oh yeah, and Tony Todd in this movie. I, okay, so he he gives so them the, talking, like the the MacGuffin that they have to chase for the rest of the movie. Essentially, yeah, that's really weird. Like, why does he know this? Uh, <laughs> he just he's sort of just like this magical figure in this world. Yeah, um, I think they definitely like are guilty of the magical black man uh, TV show. Yeah, this really badly where like he just has the answer. Like, we need to go to him, and he's at the morgue, and he's pulling and he's the like body. one of the only black characters in the movie. And um, he's just like having the time of his life, just working at the morgue, freaking I, out while they're they're asking for answers. Yeah, yeah, he's doing an autopsy on the kid who died. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, And I think his name's like Tim or something like that. Yeah. And uh, he has the body laid out on a table as he's talking to them, and he like rips the nipple ring out, and then he like incinerates him. And I was watching this with Emily, and I was just, I just laughed because I was like. He didn't have to do all that yeah, right in front yeah. of him. Like, he could just have a conversation with these people. Yeah, we call that um, being extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good for him. Uh, I wonder if it was, like, his idea. Like, they had, like, a dummy in front of him. And he's like, yeah, I just want to rip this out right in front of him. Yeah, he's he's chewing the scene up. And, yeah, like, I like that he's... I mean, I appreciate that he has this one cameo and he doesn't really show up for the rest of the movie. And it's it's the movie being kind of campy and silly. And so I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, they're just going to go to him. And then he gives them this this plot which i don't i'm not like crazy about and like yeah he tells him yeah yeah with with uh, a new death, life yeah with death must must come a new life and which basically is deciphered as to stop this uh avalanche of death they must have a new life be born and like yeah she has this vision of a i think that's does she have the vision of the hospital at this point or like does that no i think they're they're still a little confused about what this means yeah um, yeah they haven't had any, uh, any visions initially i thought she was gonna have to get pregnant or something like that like i thought her and the cop were gonna make a baby um but they kind of put it together that oh there was a pregnant woman at the accident uh she represents new life like she has to have her baby before uh anyone else can die or something like that yeah and so they become determined to track her down and to make sure she has her baby safely so i think like the police officer sort of orchestrates a thing where she can be arrested and put in jail where uh you know an officer will supervise her to make sure she's safe yeah 
And that, then um, that happens. I think yeah, isn't that after they have the meeting when they are at the apartment at night? Yeah, and then like so yeah, while that's happening, they get everyone else together to kind of convince them that hey, you know, we all need to uh, work together to defeat this sort of thing, and to like convince everyone of of the seriousness of what they're dealing with. Yeah, and yeah, they're not like that good of a uh, I don't know what's it called. Um, a good of an ensemble, like they're yeah. kind of, like they're not. There's not much chemistry with them. Like Kimberly is kind of she's shy, I guess. I don't I, I don't know much to say about her character other than she's just like like not pretty she, one note. Yeah, she's like determined to to like stop this and get it done. But the care like clear is like the only person that has like kind of a a clear personality. Ha ha. But yeah, because she's just a little bit more like manic after yeah. like living through everything. She's more determined to get everything done. And so I like Allie Larder in this movie, but yeah, I think having her go at the end is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I think we, yeah, sorry, I think we're in, I thought we were uh, getting deeper. Oh no, it's all right. <laughs> Anyone who's listening to this needs to know that. Yeah. We f- fucking spoil every movie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, apologies yeah. and no apologies i should have <laughs> i should have had a little bit more of a warning but uh yeah all the characters get together kim kimberly and clear they're trying to convince everyone that this is worth taking seriously uh i believe the guy's name is eugene him and the mother of the boy who just died um her name is nora they both kind of take off uh eugene's not buying it nora says you know she's ready to die she's a widow she's lost her son she's like whatever you know if if death comes for me then i'll be reunited with my family or whatever um so they're in the elevator on the way down meanwhile the druggy dude uh rory the dude who was doing uh cocaine at the beginning of the movie yeah um he is the cocaine character that's yeah he's he's putting something away in the closet and we get kind of like a funny little scene where it seems like there's a ton of hazards within this closet space yeah. and they all just kind of come stumbling down on him uh, in a humorous way, not, not so much a sinister way, but the, in the shadow of this mess, he sees uh, what looks like the silhouette of a man holding hooks. And so he said, and he believes this to be a premonition hooks with hooks I I think I see a man with hooks is that a sign oh my god do you guys see that he's right the phone Nora who is this Nora can you hear me Uh, officer Burke I can't I I can't hear you what 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 is it what a man with hooks is gonna kill you so Kimberly and Tim the cop, or no, Tom the cop, they uh, they call up Nora to warn her. And when her phone rings, she's in the elevator. When her phone rings, she drops the phone. And behind her is a man holding, this is weird. This is like some, I don't know what the fuck this is about, but there's a man holding a bunch of like fake limbs, including yeah. arms that have hooks for hands. Yeah. And when she bends down to pick up her phone, one of the hooks grasps her ponytail. And the first thing that Tom says on the phone is, a man with hooks is going to kill you. (laughs) So the elevator doors open. She freaks out. She immediately rushes away. Uh, The hook grabbing on her ponytail kind of tugs her back. So her body manages to escape the elevator, but her head does not. And the doors close on her head. 
So I think there's a scene in like one of the Omen movies where there's like a elevator beheading scene. But um, we get okay, this. Okay, so this isn't this isn't the OG. Yeah, I don't think this is the original. Yeah, I don't think this is the original. But uh, the elevator starts rising up. We have two of our characters. I think it's it might be Kim, uh, Kim and Clear r- rushing downstairs yeah, yeah. to or Tim and Kim Kimberly and Clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rushing downstairs to save Nora. Uh, Nora's head goes rushing up as the elevator is rising. Uh, they're grabbing hold of her body, trying to pull her loose of of the elevator. All the all, I feel like all the guy on the other side with the hook, all he has to do is just like let go of the hook arm. Uh, yeah, he doesn't really do much. He just like kind of even like laughs like in a sinister way when it's all over. Like <laughs> it's, it's but yeah, it's bad. yeah, she totally. Yeah, this is I think the most emotionally effective death scene. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And yeah, it's it's sold by the fact that it kind of pushes Eugene to his emotional edge like right after that. And yeah. Yeah, yeah but, I like but, the, uh, it's a good character Ash, where yeah, it's the first really effective death for all of the group. Yeah, and as this is happening, she screams out, I don't want to die right before her head gets ripped from her body. Yeah, so this is bad. a woman who was like ready to die you know ready to be reunited with her family and then she's brought to the point of confessing that no this is actually terrifying for her yeah, she does not really want this at all yeah. and all of the characters and we have multiple characters there to witness this um so yeah it is the most emotionally strained death scene in the movie i yeah. think and then right after that eugene i think he goes and he they're back in the room together and he grabs the officer's gun and he puts it is it the officer's gun that he grabs yeah yeah and he like puts the gun to his temple and tries to kill himself and then all the six shots are blanks and then yeah Yeah. he like sits on the ground defeated and they're like well it's now your time and yeah this is a really crazy little middle part that i wish came a little bit earlier because i think it's really really good yeah it's kind of reminiscent of the scene in the previous movie with parking the car on the train tracks uh you know a man is trying to he's ready to take his own life or he thinks he thinks he can upset death's design yeah uh, or like put put death in his own hands but uh death death has other plans for eugene um so let's see so the characters rush to find the pregnant lady who's on her way to give birth uh her water is broken in the jail cell yeah and she just like berates the cop into driving her to a hospital yeah and i feel like the cop is actually probably one of the better performances in this movie yeah he's good uh, yeah he's doing like a, a little bit of a comedic thing um but uh yeah the characters are rushing to go find her she's rushing to the hospital and so we're kind of cross-cutting between these two cars full of people um and the, on the way there the characters realize that this isn't their first time running in with death uh each one of them has narrowly escaped death before and the way that they narrowly escaped death is somehow tied to uh, the survivors of the plane crash from the previous movie. Yeah, and it's much more detailed. I think it's not really worth getting into exactly how it's all connected, but they all have this group epiphany where they're like, oh, yeah, like, my hairdresser was, like, someone who was, like, related to that person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like one of the girls, she was on her way to a bed and breakfast where overnight there was a gas leak and everyone who was there died. But uh, she never actually made it there because the bus she was on killed uh, Abby or whatever her name is from the previous movie. Yeah. And so, you know, having murdered someone in this vet, in this bus, uh, they had to, they got a little sidetracked. But, yeah. um, 
it's just like the scene is just a little like trippy to me because they're like all describing these really like horrific events i'm like damn like i feel like that would have been a good place for a montage to like to see to some of these things but i don't know the way oh, they're yeah. kind of describing it it's just like this is just like kind of silly yeah they could have uh yeah i guess they didn't want to they wanted maybe the audience to piece it together a little bit and probably yeah doing all that stuff but um budgetary this, reasons maybe <laughs> time yeah reasons. this the scene had sort of a butterfly effect vibe yeah and i actually looked it up to see if this came out after butterfly effect butterfly effect was actually one year after however the two people who wrote this movie did write the butterfly effect so okay. there is a connection there. yeah eventually it leads to like another kind of crash situation on the side of the road yeah i'm not totally sure how this gets kicked off but uh both of our characters sort of intersect both of our vehicles sort of intersect so one vehicle we have isabella the pregnant woman who's on her way to give birth the other vehicle we have all of our characters and somehow they both end up in a car accident together uh no one dies but we do get um the vehicle with the bulk of our characters crashing into a bunch of pvc pipes and one of the pvc pipes comes through the driver's seat and almost uh impales uh our business lady cat her name is uh, it almost impales her head yeah. and i was convinced that they were going to breathe a sigh of relief, then the airbag was going to go off, and it was going to impale her head. Um, didn't quite happen, but it did eventually. That is a much better guess than mine. I was like, okay, I think that was going to be another fake-out, because uh, before this, a little bit earlier, there's a, a scene at a gas station when they're on the way to this like scene. They're on the way to get to the hospital or whatever, and there's a, just a long string of red herrings and false premonitions that don't really lead to anything mm -hmm. or, and, and like and i thought that was going to kind of keep happening until we actually got to the hospital and so yeah when they crash the car they get out and they're kind of like questioning everything yeah i was just like okay this is this is getting kind of weird like i think something's gonna happen but yeah the the airbag kill is like i think like a pretty ballsy moment to kind of happen just like sort of suddenly a little bit later yeah and it kind of feels like this seems a little weird because it feels like too much shit is happening like um, yeah, and, get, and when the coke dude dies, I was like, okay, that was just like just one step over the top for me. Like it was just a little Looney Tooney for him to get cut into three pieces. <laughs> I like that. I mean, it was at least like a little more creative uh, way to kill someone. Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm with it. Yeah, it was definitely creative. And I was like, okay, this is just he just like stands there for a second, and then like, okay, he's gonna <laughs> fall over in three. I'm like, all right. Yeah, but within the scene, we get. Yeah, we get the pregnant woman sort of getting injured and then leaving for the hospital. We get Cat, uh, the business lady. She gets killed. Uh, Eugene gets injured. He gets taken to the hospital. Uh, Rory, the druggie, gets completely dismembered. And, oh, right before he gets dismembered, he saves uh, some kid. Some kid who was trying to help Cat, uh, the business lady. Yeah, yeah um, that's right. Which becomes important later. Um but yeah, it's just like too much shit is a little bit too much shit is happening at this location, and and even amongst all these events, we're getting all of the red herrings uh, and like setups for how these deaths might occur. Um, it's just kind of a lot to keep track of, and it just feels feels a little messy to me. I don't know. Yeah, and but, then by the time we actually get to the hospital, it all happens again within the hospital, and I thought like that would have been just a much better set piece to end on, and yeah, to have another like 
a lesser car crash kind of set piece where a lot of deaths kind of happen. It was a little, I was like, okay, you guys, I feel like you guys are running out of ideas a little bit because this is just, just like another, everything's going really bad on the highway, but just another kind of version of that. But yeah, when we get to the hospital, um, it's, yeah, the character, uh, Isabella is like having, having the baby and then Kimberly has a premonition of a doctor who is responsible for yeah the, she believes the, the doctor is gonna like strangle her yeah like uh, yeah it's not exactly clear but yeah it's just like the doctor being connected to the death of the child and so it's up to them to basically stop the doctor from getting into this room yeah which is weird because it's like it's a doc like why would a doctor strangle this person like yeah i didn't buy that for a second i i, I assumed that it was a doctor helping them and that the person died of like other causes yeah, or some something along the lines of, or maybe at the worst, like that doctor made a decision that changed, like changed the course of something, or mm. I don't know, like something complicated malpractice. Yeah, something <laughs> bad along those lines, and I think that's what the movie wants us to believe for the reason for her not to be in there by all costs, and so that becomes like the main goal for the last like twenty minutes of the movie. But yeah, uh, Isabella ha- successfully has her baby. Everyone breathes a sigh of relief because they think, okay, well, this is over. We brought new life in. And uh, before they really have a chance to celebrate, uh, Eugene, who is in another room in the hospital this whole time, um, there's like a gas leak in his room or something like that. Yeah, even before he was getting like strangled by his medical equipment, like we get a little... I wish they had the the more personification of of death, like the first movie, because I in this one it was just like, yeah, like the medical equipment is just gonna start strangling him, and I was like, okay, that seems just a little. Uh, maybe it's it's I, I I keep saying silly, but this is a much sillier world where things just like this happen. <laughs> See, this was this was the scene where I feel like it went too far with the uh, characterization of death, because we also get. Um, all the vents in the room are, like, closing. And it just yeah. feels like way too much shit. Like, I like when it feels like these deaths are the result of outrageous coincidence and accidents. I don't like when it feels like there is this evil entity who is fucking with these people. Um, I agree somewhat. I would like it if the uh, evil entity was uh, more represented a little bit. I think I like that about the first one when the shower scene happens, but... <laughs> maybe in this it just needed a little bit less i think i would agree with you on that yeah it just needs to kind of dial down a tad just to be yeah. not as cluttered at the end because i really think it's only this scene where things are getting kind of carried away because every everything else kind of plays like oh well it could just be you know absurd coincidences yeah um and we're pri- and we as the audience are privy to what is happening while the characters aren't and that's what makes it fun um yeah totally. but yeah at least to this, yeah. At least to this gas leak, and so yeah, uh, Eugene is in this room while the is like oxygen is leaking or whatever, and so Clear goes into to check up check in on him. <laughs> yeah, and the whole room fucking explodes, and we yeah. kill Eugene, and we burn off Claire's face and kill her. Yeah, in the process. This is really a sort of tasteless shot of this body flying directly towards the camera. As yeah, it's, it's like they like, had they had to really let you know she was dead. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, dang. Like, she was a really great character. And, like, <laughs> and, like to have it go out like that was just, I felt, uh, in bad taste. 
Yeah. Well, I feel like the the ending ending of this is pretty uh, mean spirited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The so, last the last yeah. death of this movie is just so fucking ridiculous, and it feels like it's shifting to a different tone and type of movie entirely. <laughs> yeah. So. So after Clear dies, they realize, okay, they, they misunderstood what the signs were. And Kim gets this idea in her head that new life means I have to die and then be resuscitated. So I will sort of give death what he wants, but then I will, you know, begin life anew. And that yeah. will throw things off. So she drives a van into uh, the lake. Um she gets pulled out by the doctor, the doctor that she had a premonition of earlier that she thought was going to kill someone. Um, she gets resuscitated, and things are things are good. So her and Tom celebrate their victory by uh, eating a meal with the family that attempted to rescue them during uh, the car accident, uh, you know, just prior. Uh, this this family that they probably had about five minutes of interaction with. Yeah, it's like, why are you guys gonna have like this really sunny barbecue? <laughs> I was like, okay, like I'm I'm totally for it. This scene, I, it's very interesting. Yeah, and so tying into what we've learned before, which is, uh, you know, when when all the characters have survived death in ways that were connected with the survivors of the plane crash, um, we had uh, uh, this kid survive. Uh, nearly being hit by a van because Rory, the druggie, had saved him. So this kid goes to uh, a gas-powered barbecue. I guess he's just gonna, you know, get a second serving or something like that. Yeah. And he's off in the background. In the foreground is the family eating with Kimberly and Thomas. And you just see him fucking explode. Yeah. And then his arm falls on his mother's plate and she screams, and that is the end of the movie. Yeah, it's it's absolutely insane, and yeah, I like his last line. It's just so ridiculous because they're like, he's like, yeah, I don't know if he says it or like the mom says it, but like, yeah, like, he saved his life that day, and I was like, okay, yeah, like it's it's he, he's super like cheery, and then he like walks over to the barbecue, and then they're like, wait a sec, they have like this like moment. I forget. Yeah, what, they kind of yeah. put the pieces together. Like, wait, if we saved his life. Yeah, like they're like, wait a second, and then they all like, and there's like a shot of all of them looking to the gar to the barbecue together, and then yeah, the reverse is just this kid just blowing up, and yeah, I, I like I laughed out loud, so it's just like, oh my god, it's just like just so. It insane. is incredibly over the top explosion. <laughs> like they like clearly just like sculpted this sculpted dynamite <laughs> with uh, <laughs> flesh and clothes, and then just blew it up. <laughs> Yeah. It's like the explosion from scanners. It's just like it's just yeah, like, really. It's just, it's just huge. Yeah, oh and my then, goodness. It, yeah, it just it told, it just felt mean. Like this kid didn't deserve that. Yeah, <laughs> he barely knew. and then like his arm landing on his mother's plate. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just so much. And I was just like, oh my god, like it, it, it feels. Made me fe yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say like it made me feel like a little bit worried about the movies that are going to follow this i'm like okay if this is what's going to be happening to people then th these movies are just going to get a little bit more ridiculous over the time yeah so. it felt more along the lines of like a splatter film of yeah. like an evil dead or something like that yeah that's, um, that's so spot on but uh yeah that's final destination <laughs> um i think it is inferior to the first one um i think with yeah. the first one you get like a stronger 
set of characters you understand the relationships a lot more they already know each other so there's these like um, pre-existing stakes um and like with the first one you also get that scene uh leading up to them boarding the plane where you start to understand all their they're immediately establishing what the character dynamics are, and you don't really yeah, get absolutely. that here. Like, I can't tell you, like, what Rory, the drug-addicted guy, uh, what how he feels about Eugene. Um, I can't tell you how Kat feels about Kimberly. Like, what yeah, are these relationships? Say, yeah, I was going to say, like, this movie is definitely entertaining as far as the elaborate deaths when we do get to, get to them, but it is a little kind of meandering with the fake outs and then the characters aren't that interesting or compelling enough to, to make it like worth rewatching or like really sticking to because yeah, it just, it does a lot of things and it, it does have some really good effects and some really great moments, but it just getting to those moments just doesn't really seem worth it. And it's like lost the magic of trying to understand how the rules of this universe work. Um, yeah. You know, in the first one you have, uh, I think his name's Alex, Stan from the Eminem music video. You have him <laughs> trying to convince all of the other kids the seriousness of the problem, and they're all re resistant to it, or, you know, they're trying to figure out the rules, and in here you don't really have that. Um, you get the one scene when they, they get the gang together before the elevator death, where she's, like, trying to convince them. But yeah, they're all... They're all yeah, they're all pretty much on board as soon as uh, a woman gets decapitated. Yeah, and that scene comes pretty late in the movie, and so, yeah, it just it, it's not a, a very strong sequel, in my opinion. And so I'm, I'm curious to see where they go, and, you know, if they go more over the top and more splatter and more insane. But, yeah, for this well, have one... You seen, have you seen Final Destination 3? No, I, literally, I haven't seen any of these movies. And like I said, oh, okay. the, the trailer for this one was the thing that stuck out the most. And so now that we've got, we've watched the first one and we've gotten through this one, now I'm like, okay, I don't even know if I could tell you anything else about any of these movies. So I'm going in completely blind. So Final Which Destination cool. 3... Like yeah, Final Destination 3 is one that I have seen. Uh, I'd only seen one and, one and three. I hadn't seen two. Um, but this is... Three is the return of James Wong for directing... Um, it also has kind of an interesting cast. Mary Elizabeth Weinstead is the uh, lead in it. Okay. And I can't remember who else is in it, but I do remember there were some other recognizable uh, actresses. I think I want to say the girl from, uh, what's it called? Silicon Valley is in it. Oh, um, okay. Sweet. That sounds cool. But uh, yeah, it, it has a really fun opening scene on a roller coaster. Um, and it does, you do get the sense that the characters have a pre-established history because I think they are all young people again. Um, make they're they're back to turning it into a teen movie. Nice. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm I'm interested to revisit Final Destination three. I'm, I'm curious what you'll think. Yeah. So like the DVD collection I have is the first four, and uh, they're stacked on top of each other like they used to package it, where it's just like four discs all on one ring. And, oh, but, that's not good. I was yeah. worried about scratches with that. And it, it's it's not that bad. They've survived. I've been able to watch all of these, at least the first two, with no problem, no skips. And so the uh, the disc for the third one is the roller co is like a shot of them all on the roller coaster. And so I'm excited for that scene. Um, is the fifth one the 3D one? I I'm not sure. I would assume so if it's the later the latest one in the series. Yeah. But I um, yeah, I don't know. I never saw any of these in theaters. 
All right, I will be. I di- I think I will be watching that in three D though. <laughs> okay. I, think I, I have I have a way. Oh sweet, um, that's really cool. All right then. Uh, what have you been watching lately? Um, this week I watched two horror movies. Well, I guess one's a sci-fi movie. I watched one that was really really silly, and it's called Hubie Halloween. It's the Adam. Oh Sandler. boy. Yeah, I was just really bored one night, so I decided to watch that. And it's basically just like this cameo fest from all of, like, all Sandler movies are just like cameo fest with all of the, his friends showing up and just being, I guess people can say phoning it in, phoning it in but I, uh, I think they're having a good time. And yeah, it has uh, Steve Buscemi as a werewolf, which I thought was a very smart casting choice. And yeah, I, like it has like just some things in it that I think are kind of quirky and creative. It's like all of his movies, like they're set in these places that are, I don't know, pretty good visually. And so this is a Halloween movie set in Salem. They went all out with the the decorations and the costumes, and so it was it was just like a fun movie to kind of put on in the background and have a couple I, beers and you know just watch it. I've heard that he kind of just will write a movie in a location that he wants to go to with all of his friends, exactly. So he has an excuse to like take a trip. Yes, yeah, so it's like vacation movies, and so yeah, it's it's over the top when he's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go to Hawaii and take all of these people, but yeah, this one's a little bit more homely and a little more down to earth and it has a light uh, Halloween kind of plot where there's someone who's escaped from an institution who's trying to hunt someone down. So yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. It's like homage in a way that felt not like super cheesy, but it, it is like a, like a stupid movie, but it's, I don't know, it, it had, it has heart in it. All right. So, and Adam's in, in, yeah, are, and are you recommending bit. Hubie Halloween? No, I'm not recommending Hubie <laughs> Halloween. I'm I'm recommending Adam Sandler just because I think he's a fascinating person to watch on screen, and he's just like going from like uncut gems to this just seems just like absolutely crazy to me. And so, yeah, I just I appreciate him as an actor just simply on that. But well, after he it, was snubbed for uncut gems, he said he was going to make the worst movie ever made. <laughs> So yeah. is, but that's not what this is. Uh, it might be. Uh, <laughs> it's it's definitely a, a contender. It has a lot of ridiculous, ridiculous stuff in it. I also watched Scanners, uh, which is David the David Cronenberg movie. I'd never yeah. seen that, and yeah, I I enjoyed it. It wasn't uh, like super. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I was looking for in that movie, but I appreciated it, like the the iconic head scene and. Yeah, uh, I think the finale is really great too. But yeah, it's, it's just a weird kind of—I don't want to say meandering, but it just seems like a an odd, slowly kind of paced movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Emily always tells me that the head scene is the best part, and that it's not really worth watching. So I, I'm I'm always curious about it, though. Yeah, it's it's cool, but besides the beginning and ending, the the middle chunks aren't that crazy. I mean the. It's good. I, uh, it's, it's, I think it's in the 70s when it came out. I, I forget when it came out, but um, no, it's in the 80s. Yeah, I think it's like early 80s. But yeah, it's it's kind of slow. It's good. All right. Uh, let's see. What have I been watching? I watched this movie on Shudder. I think it's a Shudder original called Haunt. And it is from the writers, two of the writers from A Quiet Place. Uh, okay. So the, the non-John Krasinski writers... Um, and it was produced by Eli Roth. And so, so the movie's about these teenagers who are looking for a Halloween haunt. And I feel like I've been talking about haunts a lot lately. 
Um, <laughs> they're looking for a Halloween haunt. They're not looking for any place in specific. And they pull off on the side of the road because they get the vibe that someone's following them. And when they pull off on the side of the road, they notice a haunt. Uh, the, the light fort has just turned on. So they go and there's only one group ahead of them. There's no, there's not really any Yelp reviews for this place. They don't, don't really know anything about it. And they go inside and, well, it's a horror movie, so you can kind of assume <laughs> what happens. But everything it's really, turns out great. yeah, everything turns out great. Well, actually, like, as we were watching this, we were like kind of writing our own movie about like the comedic ways this could have gone. But um, yeah, it's, it's really good at building tension. I think. I like the poster a lot. Uh, I, I watched it as part of uh, Joe Bob Briggs' uh, Last Drive-In. So every once in a while, it'll cut to him providing commentary on it. And he talked about oh, how cool. how he suspected that the slow build of tension, the slow burn aspect of it within the first half might be attributed to Eli Roth because uh, Hostel was such a slow burner. Like, it didn't really reach the... Uh, violence that it eventually gets to until like I want to say like 45 minutes in or some crazy shit like that okay. but um so yeah this this movie takes a while to get there but it does get there and it doesn't take nearly as long as Eli Roth's movies um but it's it's very effective and it, it kind of fucks with your head because you're like is this a sinister Halloween hunt or is it just a very effective Halloween hunt um awesome. and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 if you have the Shutter app, I recommend watching it uh, the Joe Bob, Joe Bob Briggs way uh, because he has some uh, good insights into it. Um, I really appreciate his commentary, but um, it's yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, I'll definitely. It, I would think. Yeah, I'm gonna get the Shutter thing tonight. But do you think like pausing a horror movie? Do you think that like takes away from it? Because I was <sighs> thinking about because I paused through. Final Destination a few times, uh, I mean, Final Destination 2 a few times, and I was like, I think that kind of took the momentum away from some of, like, the the setups, because, you know, it's all I mean, this is this is such pace. a silly movie, I don't think you have to worry about that. I think with Haunt, maybe it'll fuck with the pacing more, because Haunt is interested in creating tension and creating dread, whereas Final Destination is just kind of silly. Gotcha. Uh, but, I don't know, I, I really enjoyed watching it that way, I think it was really effective, um, Joe Bob's Joe Bob. I keep wanting to say Joe Bob's Briggs. Joe Bob <laughs> Briggs. Uh, his his uh, commentary. I I I just I appreciated the way it broke it up because sometimes you just you need a breath of fresh air. You know when you're watching so, a horror movie. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I agree somewhat. I think sometimes I've done that and then come back right before a scare and it doesn't seem as like as good. But you know. And I'm That's pretty just sh- the luck of me deciding to pause at a bad time, maybe. <laughs> and they're pretty calculated with when they decide to take their breaks. Yeah, absolutely. I bet. Yeah, I bet they have that shit dialed in. Where they're like, okay, we're gonna just do this when it's the absolute right time to do it. I will say one of the problems with the movie is that the characters are pretty fucking stupid. Um, they make some stupid decisions pretty early on in the movie, and it's kind of okay because the stakes aren't high. But once the stakes get high, you want those characters to be smarter. You don't want them to continue <laughs> making stupid mistakes. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons yeah, that's, Green... that's frustrating. Like, have you seen Green Room? Yes. So, like, one of the great things about Green Room is the characters are very smart in that movie. The characters make decisions that you, as the audience member, wish you would have thought of. Uh, and one of the beautiful things about that is 
when they make really smart decisions and those decisions don't work out um it feels even worse so yeah yeah so watching a, a, a beautiful way of putting it yeah watching a character make stupid decisions and then get what's coming to him you're like yeah f- what the fuck did you think was gonna happen um it's it's <laughs> it's not good for i don't know it, it it kind of works against a dramatic payoff i feel like it it's a different kind of horror viewing experience because sometimes the frustration that you feel with these characters is kind of fun it means you are engaged right yeah, like absolutely. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's worth checking out. I was, I got very sucked into it. I was surprised how sucked into it I got. Oh, um, sweet. The other thing I watched was once again Joe Bob Joe Bob Briggs. Um, he screened Hellraiser, and so nice. I watched that. I'd I'd already seen it before. I don't remember too much of it, but I remember as I was watching it, thinking how. Every once in a while, I watch something where I'm like, "How is this okay? Like, how did we decide that it is okay to show this on film? Like, people getting their skin ripped off their bodies." Um, yeah, yeah I don't remember much about the first one, but yeah, it was definitely alarming when it does yeah. like finally get and to I the just, actual murders of that movie. And I remember seeing images of Pinhead when I was a kid, and it yeah. just kind of set my imagination on fire. Like, what the where the fuck is that guy from you know um you see something like michael myers and that's just a man wearing a mask you see um jason with just the hockey or you know yeah or like like... chucky is a doll like i can understand those things when i look at pinhead i don't know what the fuck i'm dealing with here um yeah even when i watched that movie like in my mid-20s i was just like yeah pretty stoned and yeah it's just like the box has like some weird rules and it's like it's not like a straight slasher. It gets like interdimensional and like yeah. kind of science fiction with it. Yeah, there's like this another world, and it's it's very odd. It reminds me of um, Phantasm. Have you seen that? I I watched that pretty recently. I wasn't that into it, but yeah, I under I understand the similar vibe. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a, a very very strange movie, and yeah, like, I, I like the just the odd other dimensional world that kind of gets brought up. Yeah. Yeah, Phantasm is a movie that I wish I watched younger because I feel like it would have it would have sparked the same sort of uh, inspiration, same sort of like, yeah, your imagination gets set on fire. You don't know what to think about this alternate world that seems to exist. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, that was a movie that J.J. Abrams re-released. And it's interesting because that is kind of his whole thing, right? The mystery box. Um and I, I bet he saw that movie when he was pretty young, and it was like, oh, I want to know more about this, but the fact that I don't is what makes it intriguing. And yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's about it for me. Yeah, I think that's it, too. Um, before we sign off, I just want to say you can follow us at Twitter, at VagueZone. We have a Twitter out now, and so yeah, we you know come follow us and engage in some Twitter conversations, some tweets, some back and forth. <laughs> you can also email us at vaguezonepod at gmail.com you know so yeah there's if you want to reach out to the vague zone there's ways to reach out thank you for remembering that i was totally gonna forget yeah yeah i wrote down a little little thing on here on my notes (laughs) and i was like yeah i need to remember we have twitter and we have ways to kind of communicate and so yeah if you want to i was going to say if they want to suggest movies or things or videos or you know that'd be the the perfect way to do it a day will come when we're not talking about final destination and we will need a new franchise to uh, approach so yeah, yeah. so contact us through those channels and yeah this has been episode 12 i'm one of your hosts thomas and i am daniel and we'll catch you on the next one <laughs>
Alright, take care. Bye.